0: beer sports join sean and brad as they talk about sports and share a beer from the east coast of canada to the west coast of the united states over to you boys
1: what's up friends hey sean and brad guys here's sports back at it season two episode three is where we are. I lose track. Sean keeps count That's uh that's kind of our relationship. So Sean, good morning. How are you?
2: I'm great, man. How you doing?
1: i doing well. Man, I you know what I really missed uh the NCAA tournament like you know last year with the pandemic and shutting down. I just like man my I feel like I've met my first love after a long uh you know distance thing again. Like man, I'm fully invested in this tournament. Uh, I love it
2: so much. It sounds like it sounds like sleepless in Seattle in reverse.
1: Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. Flat. <laughs> this is the best time of year for me. I, just, I love, this is my favorite time of year. It's these, yeah. you know, young college kids they're scrambling around they got these dreams and they're all going to go be, you know, professionals or burnouts or who knows where they're going to go. They're not going to be professional athletes probably, right? They're going to be right. you know, doctors and lawyers and CEOs and
2: it's just a very small supervisors. Percentage. And
1: yeah, yeah, you know, uh, but watching them live out kind of like their dreams uh, and the excitement of the whole thing is just fascinating to me. So uh-huh. I love all things about it. Um, I forgot how much I loved it. It's kind of nice to have a year off, maybe for getting back to it. But anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, all that said, I want to thank our friends at Flyers for always keeping us straight. I'm going to head over there here in a little bit uh, when we get done here, uh, pick up you know, a couple cans, porters, and uh, give me a prime rib dip, sandwich, come back, watch the basketball. So that's my agenda for the weekend.
2: High <laughs> class over here. Nice, nice. Well, I stopped into, uh, so unfortunately, we had a huge snowstorm. I was going to stop in usually Fridays. I go into old Biddy's see Chris, and he'll fix me up. But unfortunately, that snowstorm, everything was shut down. I called him up. He's like, yeah, I'm not going into work. I don't blame him. But he doesn't open till noon. It's my only thing. Now, uh, I ended up going to the liquor store. In front of the liquor store, I ended up getting this Garrison Tropical Blast Garrison Little Juicy mm. Double IPA.
1: Yeah, we can't see it because your vanity rings, uh, blocked. yeah. You know, well,
2: double know. it's a little juicy. Oh, actually, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. A little juicy IPA, six percent strong beer. It's got a little bit of fruit nodes in there with a lot of hoppiness. Very good. Uh, love it. Garrison, I've had a Garrison beers beforehand. I, we had the milk deja vu, deja mu That was good. This is uh very good as well. And I'm not a really huge IPA fan, so thanks a lot, Garrison. Hey, Flyers, god, I guess the the counter is restarted.
1: Yep, oh, man,
2: would have been a good day, would have been a good day, St. Patty's Day. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. you know, we make the best of
2: it anyway. It's fine, absolutely. We're not
1: as quite as uh tightened up as you guys are, so. Oh,
2: oh, so we have a very special guest coming on. Yeah. So this is uh, Mark Brown. Mark Brown is also in the military as as I am. Um, We've known each other for a long time. And uh, this guy is a phenomenal marathon runner. And uh, his story is amazing. He competes for the military here for the Canadian military. And uh, I can't wait to bring him on just talk to him. Also, avid hockey fan, so I'm sure we're going to have some great conversations on that. So without further ado, what do you say, Brad? We bring him on?
1: Let's get him in.
2: All right. Let's get the man in. There he is. Look at this poor guy. Hey, just waiting. Just waiting to be on Guy's Beer Sports. How's it going? Hello. Good, buddy.
1: Look at your, all your medals in the back there. That's fantastic. How many? Do you know how many offhand you have hanging back there? Uh, a few dozen. Yeah.
3: Maybe. Even, yeah, thank night. you. Yeah.
2: So, Mark, Mark is, I, I was just saying how you're this phenomenal long distance runner. Okay. I've known you for a while. This is going back, what, 12, 13 years ago when you were all jackered? You remember that? Lifting weights hardcore.
3: Yeah, when I first got in, I was probably like about 23, 24.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you were just, you were just all, you know, all muscly. It was just like one big muscle, (laughs) (laughs) one big muscle running around. What made you change all of a sudden into long distance running?
3: Well, it got to the point where I was lifting, you know, five, six days a week, Mm -hmm. trying to do bench press twice a week, you know, trying to get those extra gains. And I just felt like I plateaued. And I felt like no matter what I did, I just couldn't get to the next level. You were benching
2: uh, what? It was like 285, I think, at the time there, right? It
3: was... Yeah, it was close to three. Like, Yeah. You know, like, I think the best I, I, I did with the person witnessing was uh, 275 four times. Yeah. So, you know, could I have gone more? Maybe. But, uh, yeah, I got to the point where I just started plateauing, and I just felt like, you know, I was always tired. My shoulders were always getting really <laughs> sore. Uh, I don't know. I, I just I felt like I needed something to change. So then I, cause I ran when I was younger, I ran for many years, basically until the age of 18, I was running, you know, quite often playing a lot of cardio sports, but then I went to college and when I went to college, you know, I kind of, you know, played a lot more ball hockey, did a lot more running, sorry, not more running, but uh, more weightlifting. Right. And it was kind of like the cool thing to do at the time from 18 to 24. I just wanted to see how big I can get.
0: Right.
3: But then uh, I got to the point where I was like, yeah, I want to try a different sport. So actually I went on my dive course and uh, I ran a mile and a half front. It's like the 2.4 kilometers. And I did that and I, did, you know, I was pretty happy with the time.
2: And I was like, oh, I wonder what I could actually do if I started training. What was your time just out of that? Just out of curiosity.
3: So I did just uh, shy, of like under eight minutes.
2: That's really good. That's really good. Yeah.
3: So, you know, I, I was happy with that. And I was like, you know, like at that point in time, I was only time I was running was when I was playing ball hockey mm. or, you know, yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I ran maybe like 20 minute warm up before I'd go to hit the weights and then maybe like a 10 minute cool down after that. But there was nothing like set in stone. Right. So then after that, I started training like really hard and I started, you know, you know, seeing like, you know, what I could do for improvements, but I'll still lifting the weights at the same time. So then I ran the Navy 5k that year. And, uh, fortunately I was able to to pull off a win. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe there's something more I can even train for. So then I started going to nationals with the CF and every year was coming like third, fourth. And I, and there was something I was doing. It just wasn't getting me to the next level. So then I cut the weights because the weights were slowing me down because I was basically building up too much bulk. So then I need more like aerobic capacity to carry that muscle. So I stopped doing that the heavy weights. I only did weights just in November and that was it. And then I was able to trim off a lot of weight. So it took me about three or four years, years to lose the muscle mass that it took me about five or six years to gain. And then once I started losing that, then I started, you know, dealing with different coaches and, you know, learned unique you know, tech, techniques. And then from there, I just kept on, kept on going forward with that. How much weight did you cut off? So when I stopped with lifting weights, I was about 150, 155. And then I, I was the time I ran my, my last marathon, I was down to 129. Wow. Wow. So,
2: yeah. I would yeah, never it, have guessed that though, Mark, because you don't look like a, a guy at 130. You look like I always thought you were around 150, 160. So.
3: Well, see, it comes to like race and weight. Like, so if I'm racing for a big race, then I'm going to cut down, just kind of like a UFC or a boxer. So that way I'm, you know, much lighter, you know, much more mobile or more mobile. And then, uh, yeah. And then once the race is over, if I'm not training for a big race, then, you know, I'll gain it back and then I'll lose it again right around January. That's when I start trying to lose it again. Right.
2: Wow. So where did, when, when, when did it dawn on you that you should start really start getting serious about it, get coaches involved and how did these coaches get involved? Uh, did you reach out? Did they reach out to you? Or,
3: yeah. So when it comes to running, unless you're like you're an absolute phenom, you're gonna have to reach out for the coaches. Okay. Like, if you're really good in like, so I ran in high school and uh, elementary school, and you know, I was decent. I, I was like, you know, middle range. But the reason for that is because I wasn't putting the time in. So I looked at a person that I ran with. She was putting the time in. So like her whole life was just running. So she was like Ontario champion four years in a row, went to Texas tech, you know, all state champion, et cetera. As with me, you know, I wasn't putting that same kind of time in. So, you know, no scouts were like reaching out to me or anything like that. So I, you know, I just went on and went to college. But then after, when I started running again, I realized that, yeah, now I have to reach out because I don't have a name. Right. So I, I need to reach out and, you know, try to get as much uh, coaching as I can. So there was a coach that was in uh, Halifax. mm mm-hmm. And uh, his name was Cliff Matthews. And, I, uh, yeah, he was an absolutely fantastic coach. And uh, I learned a lot of wisdom from him, a lot of philosophy. And then I felt like he put me right in the right direction. Hmm. Was there one thing
1: that you that he said to you that has clicked for you that got you in the mindset that you could do what you do?
3: Yeah, so the biggest thing I found with his words of advice was, you know, it's not about your race tomorrow. It's about your race, you know, next year. Always train for next year's race. Because when you're training for tomorrow's yeah. race, you know, like basically, once you get like two weeks away from a race, you can't get any more performance after that. Yeah, the work's already done at that point. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. How long is the? Not team for him. Been?
3: I I started to experiment with other coaches.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and I found coaches I liked. I found coaches, you know, that I, you know, I felt like it was good information. But you know, and I, it's mm-hmm. when I went to Mexico, I I got an opportunity to train with the Kenyans, mm-hmm. and this is
2: where kind of. I remember you talking to me about this in SJSR. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. This is what
3: changed my whole philosophy on, on running. So before I went there, you know, I was able to do quite well, like on uh like the, the military scene, but I felt like if I wanted to go SISM, so you got like national level for military, then you got SISM. So SISM is like, it's a whole new ball game compared to nationals. So I felt like if I wanted to get to that next level, I had to do the next level of training. Right. So I, I went down and I had a friend that was from Kenya. And he had a bunch of friends that were training in Mexico and he introduced me to one of them. And then they said, Oh yeah, come to our place. So I went to this town called Toluca, Mexico. And I, you know, I took like a bus about an hour from Mexico city and I meet up with a few of these Kenyans and they're super friendly, super welcoming. And I I did one day of training and that one day I was like, wow, like this is, this is how you train. Like everything I was doing before wasn't right. So then I, I booked. A flight about four or five months later to go live with them for a month
2: in Kenya or
3: well in Mexico, but to train okay, with the okay. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. and uh, the reason why they train down there because you got high altitude as well, yeah, so it's it's and it's also it's closer to the states, it's closer to Canada, so it's easier for them to go do the races. Mm. So, so I, I started training with these guys, and like some of these guys are like LA uh, marathon champion. Uh, They came like sixth in Ottawa. That they had the around the bay thirty k record. Uh, One of the guys there who ended up becoming my coach. He was a world junior champion nineteen ninety nine. So I started meeting these guys that like you know some of these guys are like like top level. Like if you were to compare them like for hockey, they'd easily be NHL, and some of them would be like Team Canada material. Right. Wow. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Basically, I uh, once I met a coach there. His name was uh, Muli. So his name was uh, Muli Pius Malenko. And, uh, he was world junior champion in 1999. So uh, I hear everybody talking about how he was world junior champion, but then I actually got to sit down the one day and I started talking to him and I was just like, just blown away. Cause I looked at who he raced that year and uh, the guys he beat was a guy named Kenice Kelly and, uh, Mo Farah. So Mo Farah is the guy who won the last five K and 10 K at the Olympics back to back, Yeah, he's known as the greatest, uh, greatest European runner of all time. And then Kenespa Kelly is known as the greatest track runner of all time, or at least one of them for sure. Mm. And the fact that he beat these two guys is, uh, you know, for World Juniors in '99, I was like, okay, this guy knows, like, what what you got to do to get to the top. Yeah. I asked him, I was really nervous at first to ask him, but I was like, hey, uh, do you think you could coach me? And He's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to coach you. I remember all my, my plans for my Italian trainers, and I remember, like, exactly what I need to do. And he's like, I have no problem at all coaching you. So I used him as a coach and uh, yeah, he he was able to te- take me to the next level and really help me.
2: That's awesome, man. So uh, Mark, one thing I, I do like about you, I remember when I said I wanted to get into running and uh, I had every intent to do that. Uh, oh, I, I remember was, that was insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah never, it never really panned out for me. Yeah, it never panned out for me. Uh, I tried, <laughs> but I will tell you this, when I did do what you were telling me to do, I did get faster than after about, I think, about eight months. I said, that's enough. <laughs> this is a lot of work. And uh, I'm not I'm not about to become Mark Brown here.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, like, so I do well on the military scene, but like, if you were to put me like on a world-class scene, like it, it's hard to compete, you know, like at a world-class level when you're doing a uh, Navy and doing military.
2: Yeah, but, so, uh, yeah exactly. I mean, your, your, your time is split. Right. So, I mean, even the fact that you can reach some of the levels that you're reaching with, because you're a boson as well, which is a hard C trade. Oh yeah, lots of C time. So that means you go exactly. You go to C. So I'm sure, I'm certain. Like whenever that you have a chance to train, you're taking this as seriously as possible. And out of that, I mean, how how many races have you ran? Just out of curiosity, there, Mark.
3: Ah, uh, probably uh, over 100 for sure.
2: Yeah, and how many have you finished top 10?
3: Uh, I've done pretty much. Uh, i say a lot of them. The ones I'm not going to finish top 10 would be like your big ones. So like, like Ottawa and like Boston, right. places like that. Yeah. just Boston. Did
1: yeah, you exactly. run, maybe you run in Boston?
3: Uh, I ran the Boston 10 K. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good course. Yeah. It's really cool going to these big events because even like our top Canadians and the top Americans, they're not winning it. Like it's all Ethiopian, Kenyan. Uh, now you've got other countries that are coming on the scene as well. Like uh, Rwanda, they're coming on the scene. Uh, oh, Japan's weird. always been on the scene.
2: Yeah. Like I wonder with some of their f- physiological uh, things over there, like do Ethiopians have a, a better way of not developing that lactic acid when you're going for super long distances, you know, to just keep that uh, endurance up and not have cramping and everything.
3: Yeah. I think what it comes down to, it comes down to their philosophy. It comes down to like, so in Canada you grow up and who do you want to be? You want to be like Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn, right. Mew, Dougie Gilmore, et cetera. Well, in Ethiopia and Kenya, you grow up, and you want to be, you know, like Kipchoge, you want to be Kinespa Kelly, you know, and there was a runner in 60, uh, 64, he won the Olympics for, uh, I think 60 and 64 for Ethiopia and he won it with bare feet. So everyone else is, you know, running a marathon with shoes on and this guy's running in, I think it was Tokyo Olympics in Rome, but he won, won both of them. And the first one he ran bare feet and everyone was just so amazed. So this guy, all of a sudden he becomes a household name in Ethiopia and now everyone's like, I want to be like this guy. Right, and there was a guy in Mexico City, Mexico City Olympics '68. His name was uh, Kip Kino. and he won with bare feet too, I believe, for the 1500 meters. And then now he's a household name in uh, Kenya. Right. So as generations go on, everyone wants to be just like these guys.
2: That's unbelievable.
3: And like it's like the the amount of focus they put into it, and the amount of effort they put into it is it's like far and beyond. Like for them, it's like running first, then play time, you know, have fun later. So yeah a lot.
1: i mean my experience with uh, some of those cultures is that like the running is the competition like that's their sport i mean like they hang their hat on who's the fastest and who can run the farthest the quick all those things right i mean that's just their you know that's their sport and so it's not a surprise to watch them come here and dominate because there's such a pride in being fast
3: yeah so like to give you a, a really good stat in comparison so kenyans so like the big thing for marathon is if you run under 210 then you're put in that, that like category of being a legend. So Kenya has like close to 500 runners that have ran 210 or under 210. Sorry, Ethiopia is probably close to 200. I, uh, Tokyo, not Tokyo, but Japan, they're under. They're about 100 and change. Canada's got two, and I think America's got like 25 or something like that.
2: As far as what runners that can run under can run a marathon under two hours and ten minutes. Wow. Yeah. Please.
3: So it took. It wasn't until a couple of years ago, Canada was able to do that. There's a guy named Cam Levins who was like NCAA champion, you know, talking and running for many, many years. And he was able to do it in Toronto and uh, run 209 and change.
1: Wow. Wow. What's the fastest
3: you've ever run a marathon? Oh, so I, I'm not even close to their level, but uh, the fast one I've run is 232. Yeah. That's still really fast.
2: That's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fast. If <laughs> I could ride a bike that far that fast. I remember in the middle of the heat watching this guy in St. Josie who gets up to like with the humidex and everything. It's like 40 degrees Celsius, which is what got to be close to a hundred degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Well, I mean, we like double it and add five and that's close to. Fahrenheit. Yeah. So 85 degrees.
2: 85. So here's this guy running on the track. <laughs> full full just going people are there trying to get in shape and everything and here's Mark like like a gazelle just going right and I'm just there going how is he not feeling this heat like it was unbelievable to watch
3: I was in Ghana actually about a year ago
2: <laughs> and uh so
3: we're waiting to get off the ship me and my buddy right we're like okay, hey, we gotta go for a run so we're waiting to get off the ship you know things got busy we couldn't end- we didn't end leave in the ship until like I think it was 11 o'clock and I'm like, oh no, we're gonna be in trouble right. Cause like when when you want to run over there, you got to run first thing in the morning. Like basically, as soon as the sun comes up, that's when you want to be out the door. Yeah. But we got out at eleven o'clock and we did twenty k, and it it felt like it was like hundred k. Oh, yeah. Every half an hour, I had to drink like a Red Bull and drink like a you know big, big bottle of water. <laughs> you started getting really dizzy. It was like probably close to like it was easily over forty degrees. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. certain. And, I'm and sure. then with the, the humidity, oh yeah. Oh. Even all the locals were like, "Hey, why are you running? You're crazy! Don't be running." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you know you're maybe a step far right like that's on the crazy scale like you just have crossed the threshold when the locals were like hey man like do you know
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy or stupid i don't know <laughs> i don't think i am doing do it again say, right like the difference between
1: brave and stupid is that line also right like that's the thing
3: <laughs> yeah uh, razor sharp line I got to see a lot of Ghana, so I was pretty happy about that. So yeah, it's
1: cool, and you made it. That's so a cool story, yeah. I like guess. I mean, that's, that's not, yeah,
3: barely made. Like it. to say, it's crazy, not
1: stupid, because you, it's it was crazy to attempt it. That's it. it. Yeah, a
2: great it, story uh, now. <laughs>
1: it is, but that's why it's crazy it's not a bad connotation. No. Stupid would be yeah. if you would have you know hospitalized yourself halfway through the run. <laughs> <laughs> a stupid thing to do, but otherwise, it's wild.
2: I'm telling you, it's because of all that training in St. Jean. That's what it is. You're running in that heat, man. So it was just like, oh, okay, it's but just a little bit hotter.
1: Deployed, I imagine you're on a boat, right? Because Sean said you're a sea going kind of guy. So what do you do there? Do you just run laps around the top of the boat? You just find a spot and just make it work, or how does that go for you?
3: Yeah, so it depends on what kind of ship you're on. Like the bigger the vessel, the more opportunity you can to run. Unfortunately, but fortunately, I got put on a boat that's really small. And, uh, so there's no way there's, you can't run around anything. Like it's basically a treadmill. Right. So every time I'm on the treadmill, it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. Because the smaller the boat, the more it's going to rock. And
0: sure. yeah, yeah, same so, thing with the so weights. That, that was
2: tough. <laughs> same thing with the weights. It's like 300 pounds can become 500 real quick. Oh like
0: uh, yeah. Well, it's good for hill
2: training. That's it.
3: <laughs> you get to run up the hills and down the hills,
2: That's which is it. because
3: normally on a treadmill, you can't go down. You can only go up. Right. So this That's way. That's right. Get <laughs> After training them. like that.
1: Man, imagine if treadmills did go downhill. Like that'd be wild to think about, right? Like it just feels like a lawsuit. I'm sure they have the technology, and they just don't want to take
3: responsibility. Well, I think they got a couple that can actually go down a little bit of an incline, but they can only go down so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But imagine if the that little motor on the front was also on the back, and it could pitch you straight downhill, so you could just coast. But like, I feel like from a liability right.
2: standpoint, like <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> just, <laughs> just- <laughs> <laughs> no one's making that. Dude. No. Yeah, I got a great business idea. You might lose a few teeth. <laughs> um, what was is the best f- every
3: time you get on it? That's it.
2: <laughs> what was the best finish you ever had, Mark?
3: So my favorite one is uh I was in Chambly.
2: Okay. So yeah, Chambly yeah. had this
3: had this race as a 5K race.
2: Chambly, and, huh? Yeah,
3: yeah, there you go. <laughs> so the the guy he runs off, you know, the the guy who won it last year, he's back at the race and he's trying to win it two years in a row. So he runs off and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait behind and just, you know, gauge and see what kind of fitness he is. Cause every year, you know, you can be in different fitness levels. So I felt pretty confident, you know, about my fitness level, but I didn't know if he improved or not. If he improved, then he might've been faster than that day. So what I did is I just coasted behind. And then eventually he got to like three or 4k where he was like, okay, I've got this. And then there's this last corner where you turn. So you turn this last corner, it's about 200 meters. And as you turn that corner, there's people on each side and they're all yelling and screaming like, go, go, go. So he turns around the corner, but he doesn't realize that once he turned around the corner, I started sprinting. So now I get to the corner and he's only maybe like 10 meters in instead of being like, say, uh, you know, 200. So I I eventually close the gap, the last kilometer. And uh, he goes around that last corner and everyone's screaming like, go, go, go. But they're actually yelling like, he's behind you, he's behind you. But he doesn't realize I'm behind him, so he's he's booking it, just like you know, about to do his finish, and he puts his hands up like this, and then I run as fast as I can, and I just beat him literally by point one of a second. Oh
2: my god!
3: So there's pictures, and it shows shows him like this with his hands up, and then you see his eyes looking over at me and being like, "Oh no!" And he, my foot is just over by like not even a like like half a foot. That's awesome.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: the closest I ever been to a marathon was volunteering for one. And, uh, the job that I got to do was to stand. My job was to like guide people down that last sprint, you know, and, uh, it's where they really funneled everybody and all the 10 K's the five K's and the, you know, the fulls all came through. And, uh, man, I just found so much joy in like trying to get people to go when they were tired, you know, it's like, Hey, it's just 200 more yards. It's 200 more yards. And, uh, I Remember this one big muscle bound guy was running through there, and you could just tell he was just really struggling, you know. And uh, but I didn't have any compassion for him because he looked like he thought he was gonna do better, you know. So like okay, was, yeah. and so he was just plodding through and was getting on the end. And uh this lady who was in her sixties was coming and she was just really struggling. I go, Hey, I go, you see that guy right there? And she's like, Yeah, I go, I go, he can't you can beat him if you go. And she like you saw the spark and she took off and she did the exact same thing. To him, to that muscle-bound guy that you did to that guy, and it was still like a (laughs) highlight of my life. That she like just hustled and gave it all she had those last few (laughs) hundred yards and checked that guy, and he was so upset. (laughs) Well, some people take the heart, that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's why you got to finish strong, man. You got to go. Like that's the thing. The hardest thing for me with running is that I don't ever want to gas out before the end, and so I have a really hard time gauging distance. And so, like i got a bunch left. I ran one five K my entire life and I didn't have any idea how fast I was going or I just was really nervous about not being able to finish. And then I saw the finish line and I had all kinds of gas, man. I passed like 60 people once I saw oh, the finish wow. line. Yeah. My buddy was like that. You had that much energy left. I was like, I didn't want to gas out. Like my, it would be so embarrassing to like have to stop.
3: So. Yeah. The trick is like when you're running a race, you want to always like you, you go by your breathing. A lot of people yeah. they go by their watch, but if you go by your breathing that like tells you like, if you start breathing really heavy, well, then you're going past your lactic threshold. Oh uh, yeah. That makes so sense. So if you're running it, like, so a 5k, you should be breathing. Like, like you shouldn't be able to have a conversation at all. When you're running a 5k, when yeah. you're running a marathon, you, you could probably have a conversation, but it'd be very like hard to get some words out. Yeah. But for a 5k, if you're having a conversation, then yeah, you're going too slow and you got to push it a little bit harder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, is actually I, I trained nothing either. I just showed up that day and had to run it because I ran my mouth the night before. So I had no, <laughs>
2: this guy this guy runs his mouth a lot here mark he still he still owes me 100 push-ups there i I, i've been i've been i've been been quiet about it um i just decided i'd bring it up today there since you know mark's here he could probably push out 100 push-ups right now on the spot just thought i'd bring it up just thought i'd bring it up right do you want to see who can do the most push-ups right now sean you or i is that what you're trying to push to no, I I won this yeah, bet. Be I, I'm not pushing yeah. for well, anything. No, you're talking. Oh, I know me. you want to see that, Mark. What is this? <laughs> 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 we'll we'll you're, get back on. I got, this. got something
1: for you, Sean. You'll get yours.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll get back onto this. I know. I know what you got. You're looking for the next sporting event to do triple or nothing. I know that's about. I know that's what's about to happen. Yeah, that's not even
1: a thought. We're gonna go. We'll go in zeros on this, and then we'll we'll figure out something else.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. going zeros! You owe me a hundred push-ups. You can't go in that's zeros.
1: That's, that's going zeros is paying up. We don't go.
2: Oh, them. okay, okay. I don't do that. my thing. Hey, Mark, one more question here. I had a year ago, in October of 2019. So actually, over a year ago, almost two years, a year and a half. You ran a marathon in Wuhan, China. I remember it was on Facebook.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Yep. I was in Wuhan.
2: Um. um was there was there news at that point? Because I know that people were talking about it around December over in North America about this COVID-19, this coronavirus, right? Was there news about it when you were running there? And and if it was, what was your feeling about it?
3: See, at that point in time, it was it was October 29th, the day we left. And there was like we didn't know anything about it. None of the athletes knew anything about it. It wasn't until probably in January that's when I started hearing about it. Yeah, So yeah. like, you know, I, I got an email basically from like the medical staff of Wuhan, you know, saying that we're not at risk and that, you know, it'd be very unlikely that AIM was had a, a possibility to catch it. But I, I thought about it like, yeah, because, you know, I had like two weeks later or three weeks later, that's when they found their first case. But if you think about Wuhan, like they've got a university or they got 80 universities there, 1.3 million students. So the chances of like the military members, you know, getting it and then bringing it around the world be very very unlikely. It'd be more likely that the students, you know, that are coming from international that might have spread it, right?
2: Yeah. Mm, true enough.
3: Because, and plus, if we're gone by the 29th and, you know, they find the first case, you know, two weeks later, then I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of conspiracy about it and there will always be conspiracy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll never know. But that's a good point about how large that place is. You know, one of the things too, I
3: have a buddy of
1: mine that worked over there. Uh, for quite a long time, and he explained to me like how quickly one. Well, he felt like one of the reasons, though, I uh, that went the way it was is Chinese New Year also happened around that time, and so everyone from those giant cities. He's like, you can't even imagine how big those places are because we just don't have that kind of thing in North America, really, right? But all those people go home and they disperse back across the country, and so that's the, you know, that's an agent for you know really anything of uh, you know if you're talking about carrying things to the corners of the country, like that's, that's going to be it is a massive uh, migration back home. So yeah, it works
3: for the sport event though. They did an excellent job, you know, putting on the event. They definitely made us feel really welcome. That's awesome.
1: What's, what's the elevation type there? Is that, is that a big draw for a place like that? Do they have a bunch of elevation change? Like how does that work out?
3: Uh, No, I think for like elevation, it's probably around the same. It's yeah, it wouldn't be that high. Yeah. Just a bit more smog.
2: Yeah. Just a, little bit. a bit more smog. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> no, but like Wuhan is a very beautiful city, you know, and like they've got a yellow crane tower that you can go on. You can look around the whole city and, it. you know, they've got an amazing subway system. The roads, it's like they build a sector of the city before mm-hmm. people even move into it. Mm-hmm. So imagine having like a 200,000 suburb, you know, with all the roads, they got a sidewalk and then they got a bike lane already built. And then they build like the skyscraper apartments and then everybody moves in. So. Yeah. I, know, I was pretty impressed with the city, that's for sure. That's,
1: that's cool, man. Yeah, that, their their way of development is uh, fascinating. Yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely not piecemeal like it is uh, here in you know North America, where we just tend to like slowly build out. They, you
2: know, they plan for their stuff. I just don't think that sometimes we just do a proper job, just uh, having city planning. You know what I mean? Like we just oh, no, we doing. don't. We one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I mean that's you know that's why I do professionally uh, is you know some big development stuff and so it's uh we don't do a good job of it here
2: yeah Not very we never we never talk about your work do we hey, hey Brad. it's <laughs> usually our work that comes up we never talk yeah. about you yeah that might work for <laughs> <laughs> mark buddy uh listen i'm so glad you took some time out in the show here to come and talk to us about all this this is uh great stuff hey i know you wanted to talk some hockey But Mark, okay, so Mark is an interesting sports fan, okay? He's one of the most interesting sports fans I know because he loves UFC, he loves his hockey, he loves his NBA. I'm not sure about football, like NFL football, but he loves. Mark is the hugest Premier League, I think, guy I know. Like, Liverpool's your team?
3: Yeah, Liverpool's my team.
2: Yeah, and they won, and I think that was more on – that was more on the spot for Mark than it was for the NBA champions being the Toronto Raptors. I think Liverpool was up here that the Raptors was right here.
3: Although I did go to Jurassic Park the one night.
2: The one night. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I, I got the experience, the whole, you know, Jurassic Park. That was a good like, environment. But yeah, I know Liverpool, unfortunately is not doing so well right now, but like last year and the year before that, they're hands down one of the best teams in the world. If not the best team in the world. Hmm.
1: Yeah, the Premier League is just a whole step above anything else. It's fantastic
2: to watch. Yeah. I mean, Spanish, right? Level. Was me? it was it the Spanish League? Um, I can't really I can't remember what I, I can't tell you all the different I know there's Bundesliga, I know there's uh for all Euro, right? For the Euro. Um, but I can't I can't remember what the Spanish league is called. But they used to be one of the most feared leagues, right? Because there, there was a lot of like Juventa and.
3: Well, Juventa is Italian, yeah. So you got real. Oh, that's Italian. Ones. Sorry. So basically, around like 1990, you know, maybe a little bit earlier than that, you know, the Spanish yeah. teams, you know, they had a lot of money and they started buying all the big players. So you get guys yeah. like Michael Lone going over there, David Beckham, Steve McManaman, I uh, get Gareth Bale went over there. So they started buying all the the British players. As before, the British players always stayed in the EPL, but right. then I think it was like 92, 93, they switched over to Barclays Premiership League. And then, uh, so then you got like Manchester United becomes a, a big, massive team. Chelsea becomes a big team. Arsenal. Uh, Liverpool has always been a big team. Yeah. So they kind of like just like rolled the waves. Uh, and then uh, Man City also became a massive team. Right. So you've got two teams and maybe like three or four teams. Yeah, you got two teams that definitely dominate Barcelona and Real Madrid, the Spanish. And then they got Atletico Madrid.
2: Right. Yeah. Atletico Madrid. That's right. There we go. Real Madrid. You're absolutely right. Yeah. There we go. Hey. <laughs> question for you um and especially well i think all, all the leagues in soccer right you have to win so football. many games Fo- oh,
3: okay. if you're talking about mls you call it soccer but yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay football
0: anyways no, no, um, i'm only messing
2: <laughs> <out>. <laughs> no i know i know anyways don't you have to win so many games in order to keep your position in the premier league and stuff like that like otherwise you go down to the next tier
3: yeah, so I think it's the top 2 or 3 teams at, for the Premier League they get relegated.
2: So relegated. they have to yeah, so they that, they so, automatically so they to, stay. Yeah.
3: So then the, yeah, you get like the top 3 they'll go down, the top 3 will come back up. From so you got like a uh, Premier League, so you got the uh, first division, second division, and third. So that third division, they could be a, a terrible team and all of a sudden next, you know, a couple years later, they go to second and first and then after that to the Barclays Premier League.
2: I can't, I can't imagine running a league here in North America like that. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, you know, you have to lose oh, so couldn't. many. You couldn't. No, no way. Like, like now you're going to lose your team. You're, well, well you're going to lose do. You're gonna lose your league, and you're going to go down to the next league. Like, you know, can you imagine, like, the Montreal Canadiens were playing in the QMJHL all of a sudden? It's like. That's, you know like
1: that's the well, beauty. here's an example. That's the beauty of those uh, historic soccer leagues, right? Is that, yeah. or football leagues, or, whatever, you know, however it shakes apart, is like, they were built and they built this giant fan base and it all became normalized when you could do those things, you know, you can't do that now. Right. But because it's so entrenched in their culture, you, you won't change it and you shouldn't
3: change it really. Right. But you couldn't build that now. People just don't
2: have a no, No, no.
3: There's just so many teams, right. And that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So like here you've got like your AHL teams, OHL and NHL, but over there they've got like, like you've got a town of like maybe 15, 20,000 people that would probably fill up a stadium of like five to 10. Right. Yeah. And, but then you got a team like Austin Villa and Birmingham city. So Birmingham, you know, at one time was like one of the biggest cities in the world, like about a hundred years ago. And so they have these two big massive teams called Austin Villa, Birmingham, and they're not even in the premier league. So imagine having like the Montreal Canadiens, just like you're saying, or uh, Toronto Maple Leafs playing in the AHL. Oh, because I got relegated. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy. Like these, these clubs, you know, they're like Birmingham, you know, you got, it's probably about the same size as Toronto. Yeah. And yeah, you got two massive teams there in the second division.
2: How is Sunderland yeah, staying in you. there?
3: That's the thing that's always crazy about to me is like that,
1: that particular fan base will fight you for.
2: Oh, the, the soccer fun. hooligans? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. And like, I, I just, you know, I wish.
2: Yeah. I think Mark is a secret Man. soccer hooligan here. I think he is.
3: What? Yeah, I got a tattoo on my back. That's just because I like the team, though. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You're it it. <laughs> Dude,
3: you just, got a, just a very big supporter.
2: Yeah. You go around, you go around singing, you never walk alone and you have the scarf on and everything. Is that it? Yeah. I've been to quite a few matches and uh, they're definitely intense. You, you're not, yeah. see, you're not denying
3: it. So. <laughs> you're not you denying he's to it. it. Well, he's on the job, so you can't ask him what's
2: going that's uh, It's true. That's true.
1: Uh, I have a cousin of mine <laughs> who's a giant Raiders fan. And uh, he has a Raiders tattoo that runs... Uh, like it's his entire back. It's the entire emblem is like he's as big as I am. He's a he's a big guy. He's probably six, two, six, three, 260, shoulder to shoulder, you know, ass to neck, all black Raiders emblem. And, and now uh,
2: they're in now he, they're in Vegas. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it says Raiders though, but he lives in Vegas now too, and he's like the happiest guy. Like he was open about it. And uh we were in Kansas City for a Chiefs Raiders game, and we we're the only people there that weren't Chiefs fans and uh and he was you know running his mouth because i think they were this is in the early 2000s and like they're just talking all this trash to him oh you're just a fair weather blah 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 and he just like pulls his shirt off and you know it's december it's like you know freezing cold outside he's got that raiders tattoo and he's just screaming and then no one else wants anything and i was like man this is close to hooligan ship as we're ever gonna be
2: oh yeah oh dude do you remember in uh what the hell is that? it's called Lumen Field now? But what was it called before? Where the Seahawks played Westfield Century Century Link, and we were there last game of the season, 2013 Super Bowl run for the Seattle Seahawks. We're in that game, and so so Mark, like I always would see the Incredible Hulk, dude. Like this is during Seattle's great big, you know, when they were winning games and ready. Yeah, to what go to was Super the
3: quarterback's World. name again? Uh, something with Owens.
2: Russell Wilson? What
3: Russell Wilson, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, <laughs> anyways, there was this dude. And I remember Seattle, you're you're killing me. <laughs> Seattle, in Seattle, it's not the coldest place, but it gets cold, right? And there's this dude, he would dress himself up all in green. He was pretty jacked, and he'd be the incredible Hulk with a hard hard hat on, right? So the tickets we had were behind these the Legion of Boom fans, right, Bart, uh Brad. Yep, yeah. So here we are. Here's this dude. I'm, I got the chills. I'm freezing. I'm just not feeling well. Brad's like, yay. And there's this dude like four or five rows ahead of us here with no shirt on. He's <laughs> the incredible Hulk. I'm like, what in the,
3: he yeah, calls himself the Seahawk. I mean, it's just- <laughs> so what fans in the NFL are the biggest fans? Would you say?
2: Like uh,
3: the biggest Seahawks have to be one of the biggest. Because I've heard like the uh, the Eagles are pretty big. They, they have yeah, a- you, you, yeah, I mean, they're, they're for
1: a long time. The Eagles had a jail at the stadium. I mean, they're you know, like, <laughs> of rowdy fans. Uh, Bills Mafia. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, they're like a Bills Mafia is not as intense as the Philadelphia Eagle fans are.
2: No, I well, mean, like Bill's the party. Mafia. They,
1: they, 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 you they like the party. Like the Bills Mafia is yeah. up there, but you want to talk about running, yeah,
2: but they're going through tables. They're going in through fi- tables. Listen,
1: in Philadelphia, they've thrown batteries and snowballs at Santa Claus. Oh man, <laughs> what's a rough? What's a rough world to live in in Philadelphia? If you hate like, if you hate Santa Claus, you know, during a football game, that's a rough. That's yeah, a rough to
2: be. but can you imagine a Ty Domi or who was the other guy that just walked out to go start hitting fans? Right, <laughs> like goes out into the thing. Oh, Terry he, t- he took Buddy's shoe and started smacking him in the head with it. It's like what Terry O'Reilly was crazy.
3: You see what he did that back in uh, Boston in 77. Yeah. Oh, that was insane.
1: Well, it's like the mouths of the Palace, right? The Pacers and the uh Detroit Pistons. I just happened to be watching that game live. Uh I was I'm a giant Sonics fan. The Sonics were just happy playing in the second game of that. And I, just, so I was watching the end of that game, you know, and you've got uh Steven Jackson and Jermaine O'Neal openly fighting fans, you know, and it's a little bit different because they're, you know, just wearing tank tops and, you know, basketball shorts, right? And they're just manhandling people. Like one of my favorite basketball moments ever is Jermaine O'Neal just cleaning that guy, just cleaning homeboy out on the, on the baseline right there. Uh, I watch that video every year just because it's, it just brings me joy.
2: Man. I I still have to say though, out of all the sports, I think hockey now, especially now that this week just happened, uh, hockey's got to be the most, dangerous sport to play like i, I nfl football yeah, yeah they I'd, got I'd it's say maybe ufc you know ufc is dangerous too yeah absolutely but UFC, like- you don't have you do have rules like hockey but hockey you actually have weapons you know yeah, there's true. actual weapons uh, I mean.
1: you have a bl- you have a blind spot you saw that the other day where that homeboy got cleaned out and now he's not gonna be able to play for a couple games because you know
2: it oh, is, puck, uh, puck to the face that's taylor hall puck to the face and he was on the, the trade block. I
1: know it, the guy that got uh, cleaned out against the boards on the blind side. And-
2: oh, you're talking about that vicious hit there. Okay. Well, so when, but the, Look, it's look it's already within it. this week. Yeah, yeah. Within this week already. I mean, Taylor Hall, who's a premier talent, goes down to block a shot, takes it right to the face, and, and now he's on the uh, IR list because it's just like, uh, well. Yeah,
1: I mean, we yeah, shouldn't. Over the oh, yeah. A young Russian kid that took one to the face and passed away.
2: That's today. where I was going with, though. Yeah, he was a uh, dynamo dynamo. Uh, um st petersburg junior league and i guess from the neutral zone buddy took a slap shot slap shot ended up hitting him in the helmet but you know those helmets in a slap shot come on man and uh that was on a friday night he took it and then on a tuesday he ended up passing away so yeah so i mean that's that's the thing is like for me hockey for certain, has got to be one of the most dangerous, and then NFL and yeah, UFC is up there too. Because I mean, especially if you have a ref that's just not paying attention, you're oh, just getting caught in go. the face. Even boxing, I didn't mention names. I didn't mention names, Brad. You don't
1: need you because you jump on this stupid ass bandwagon all the time. Because
2: I'm right. <laughs> you're right I'm right. <laughs> I am so right.
1: Mark, you watch, you watch UFC a little bit,
3: yeah. Yeah, I, I used to, was a set? huge fan when St Pierre was around. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's probably He's you and Shaq
1: uh, hey, listen,
2: listen, Mark and I, Mark and I, we know who the best is. Okay, so we yeah, don't need okay. any education from you, Brad. All right. That's fine. Hey, uh,
1: Mark, what do you
3: think of Herb Dean as an official? I uh, I don't really have too much of a comment on that. I don't really know him. You, you that, don't that, think- that, that that's guy who just fought. What's the name? Herb
2: Dean. Herb Dean's an official. Yeah, he usually uh-huh. uh, officiates the main events there, right? But okay. he either calls him too soon, or just lets the guy gets annihilated. Like,
3: yeah, no, I'm I'm not really too sure about him. I've haven't, I've haven't really watched it in the last like yeah. once like St. Pierre left, I kind of stopped watching it. I find now it's just it's too much of a dramatic show. It's, mm. Although I did like uh, the Irish guy, what's his name? Uh,
2: Conor McGregor. Conor
3: McGregor. Yeah, well, I, I liked watching him. I didn't actually agree with some of his shenanigans, but he was funny to watch. He's very entertaining. He's on one again right now, actually. So that's fine.
2: He's, yeah, he's uh, for another... done
3: well for himself. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: I yeah, mean, it's for interesting me- uh, going because when I go to these competitions, I'll meet a lot of the Irish runners. And uh, when I was in Wuhan, I met a boxer, and he was he was an Irish boxer, and he you know he went to nationals and like all that, all his level competition, and yeah, like he actually knew uh, Conor McGregor quite well.
2: Interesting. Yeah. that's – I'm telling you right now, though, buddy. I, I don't want to go into it. You're the one bringing it up about Herb Dean. I want to move off from Herb Dean. Uh, everybody yeah. knows what my opinion on Herb Dean is. It's not going to change. You're not developing any sort of case for him. Just like you're not developing any case that George St. Pierre is one of the – should be mentioned as one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters of all time. But people don't want to end up talking about that. That's fine. I, I
1: say that well, a lot of people say Silva is one of the best. I disagree that he's the greatest. <laughs>
2: Well, no yeah I mean I think that that's I mean that's just my that's just my my own bias coming up being Canadian yeah. but you could definitely breathe them in the same sentence as Silva as John Jones as Habib Nurmagomedov as all those guys you could Absolutely. breathe them in the same you know uh, yeah. I don't think Conor McGregor is the same I think Conor McGregor is a great showman I just don't think he is yeah. the guy that because you know if he goes to the ground he's he's horrible on the ground Forget about it. He's terrible on the ground.
3: Connor gave his belt up too easily to be one of the greatest. Huh. You also have to, you have to give credit to the other guys too. From when it first started, like Hensel Gracie, Hoist Gracie, Hoyce Gracie, Shamrock. Yeah. You know these guys are fighting like all different weight
2: categories in the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ken yeah. Shamrock's a bit of a joke now, though. Nah, yeah,
3: well, I was. I like Randy Couture. Though. He was awesome. Oh, I love Randy Couture. And then my favorite, actually, for a long time, is Vitor Belfort.
1: Yeah, yeah, it yeah. 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 was it was a good one. He, yeah, he man, I feel like he got a rough shake at the end. But
2: that kick, that kick in the face from Silva, just
1: oh, uh, I remember watching wow. that in Boston. Yeah, just got him and but then uh, then letting him be on that uh, TRT, and then taking him off it just didn't do that. Just was that's a rough, that's a rough sell for anybody. And then this, yeah. you know, competitively like that was
0: man.
2: So as you can tell, Mark is a fan of the greatest hockey team to ever put on jerseys Toronto Maple Leaf fan just in case you were wondering not the Habs (laughs) um we've been having a bit of a rough go here this past couple of weeks eh?
3: yeah it's been really tough a lot of people are saying it's a d some people blame Anderson I don't know. I think you lose as a team, right? So you can't really just blame one position, but at the same time, maybe we have to get another big D-man.
2: Yeah. But here's the thing, though. This is what I keep hearing right now from uh, Dubas and all the boys at the camp there. They're looking for another forward. They're looking for more scoring. They're not looking for another D-man, which would make sense to me. But the thing is that you have a guy like Johnny T who's making what? He's making a absurd amount of money. I think he's making close to 10. And he only has, I think, 10 goals this season. It's absolutely ridiculous considering where he should be at and what he is producing right now. But he's also older than the rest of the young kids as well, right? So he came in after his rookie contract, after his initial signing, and so became the free agent, finally not a restricted free agent, and we ended up picking him up. And the first couple of seasons were good, but this season just seems to be a little off. It's like...
3: Yeah. When we look at his points for your game, he's not doing that bad. And like, you got to keep in mind, you got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner who are like, you know, two absolute all-stars right now. So he's not getting the same kind of ice time that he would have got before. He's not getting the same kind of role,
2: but he is, he is getting ice time though. It's not like, you know, you're not getting any ice time You can't put them all together on one line. Right. And, uh, so, and, and, and granted, I mean, it's not like he doesn't have somebody there too with Nylander in order to play with, but Nylander's been garbage as well. It's it's just been... I, he had a bit of a hot streak last week. You know, he was doing well. Yeah. His trade value went up for sure. I think it might be time to pull, <laughs> pull that trigger. Uh, you know, you. One, of the,
1: one of the things that is different this year for hockey is the way they're playing each other more than they have been. We saw it in baseball last year too. Because with familiarity breeds a little bit of decrease. Contempt? Well, yes. But you also are not preparing for – you're watching more film on the guys you're going to play than you are if you would normally. You know what I mean? Because your your opponent list has shrunk dramatically. And so you're yeah. not traveling. You're not playing seven, eight, nine, other different teams. You're just playing the right. same team over and over again. And so that, you know, that tends to push down some performance levels for some guys for sure.
2: I mean, yeah, my my big thing right. I make David a couple times a year. Doesn't definitely doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. Well, now it's like what eight times or something like that this season. So oh. I mean, that's that's tough, you know. And ten times with the Habs and
3: well, look at Tyson Berry now. We got rid of him. Well, sorry, we didn't resign him, and like he's one of the best in the league right now. I if not, I think he has the most points.
2: I was surprised we didn't resign him because it's just like the, those are the type. Of, but I guess he's an offensive defenseman. So well, it's it, like, it's,
3: the, it's the money, right? We couldn't afford him.
0: Yeah, we we can't afford him. That's
2: because we can't afford him because we ended up signing Nylander to that seven million dollar contract. Was just like, why are we even keeping this guy? You should have dealt him when you had the chance to deal him. You know, let's sign him. And then we were stuck with Mitch Marner, and then a huge contract with John Tavares, and then you have to sign Austin Matthews, who's got to be one of the best talents the Leafs have ever had. So, you know, yeah, it's it's going to come back to bite you in the butt. It's like...
3: Yeah, we did get lucky with some good signs. Though we got Joe Thornton, Simmons. You know, these guys are really passionate. You know, they're from Toronto. So yeah,
2: I I was I was down on Thornton at the beginning. Down. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the guy's the, guy's ran on him. the, guy's the <laughs> ultimate morale for the room. Absolutely. Um, I think everybody plays a lot better when he is in uniform for sure. Absolutely, I mean that sort of leadership—you can't buy it, right? And none of those other guys, like Johnny T, wasn't exactly a natural-born leader. And Austin Matthews is too young to be that. So,
3: yeah. I, don't know, I, I think we're not giving John Tavares enough credit. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's just having a bit of a slump. But like, if you look at, he brings to the table. He's very professional the way he speaks. You know, he, it, he
1: held his yeah. own. You know yeah,
2: he's not. Okay, it's one thing to be in a slump. It's a whole different thing to be in a whole season slump. <laughs> he's got,
1: so here's the thing, right? He's not scoring goals,
3: but he has 26 points. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like 26 what in 30, 33 games or so, 34 games. Yeah. So that's
2: yeah. I mean, it's not terrible, but this guy is primarily a goal scorer. I don't know, but I I hear what you're saying. You know, I hear what you're saying, Mark. But the
3: thing I mean, is, it's all four lines are producing, and that's the difference. Yeah, right? yeah, It'd be different if the other two lines, like third and fourth line, weren't producing. Then Fred, he has to step up.
2: Freddie Anderson lets in that questionable goal, like always near the end, where it's just like, you know, what in the world's going on? And then, I mean, it's not his fault, right? Not all of it. But there is that guy that, you know, will make that save. That's why you got people that are Stanley Cup champions with a Vasilevsky with, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to put this on anybody. You're right. You win as a team, you lose as a team. But the very fact that you were looking at Taylor Hall, like the Leeds were looking at Taylor Hall legit. Because Taylor Hall right now will probably be an easy trade to make. Yeah, but
3: he's too hot and cold. That's the problem. Like, don't get me wrong. He's one of the best players in the league when he's on his on game. But, you know, he has one good season, then he has a couple of seasons that aren't as good.
2: And then Mac Mike Babcock is on the apology tour right now. Like just. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everywhere I turn, I hear about Mike Babcock and how he uh, admits he did this all wrong in the dressing room in Toronto and how he would do things differently. And I hope he gets a head coaching job because John Tortorella, probably America's number one head coach. That's why America loves him, because the guy is crazy enough to go fight a whole team, you know.
1: Um how <laughs> we like our coaches. We like them. Yeah, fun. but all the guys <laughs> like him too that play for him. Yeah,
2: that's true. You know what? He's a player's coach. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct.
3: Like, you know, Max Domi, you know, talked about how he liked
2: him not too long ago. Yeah. Max you Domi, know? I mean, man, Montreal's feeling that one. I don't care. You got Anderson. That was a great trade I, for
3: I don't know. If you look at points right now, like Anderson, you know, he's got
2: like 13 or 14 goals. I don't know. I think he's holding his own. He's bigger presence. He is a bigger presence. That's exactly it. But Max Domi was like a heart and soul, like a... I mean, uh, that's the whole like reason Anderson fought
3: Mion and Lucic the other day. Like, like not too many guys want to stand up to Mion Lucic, but Anderson, yeah. you know, went toe to toe with him.
2: You can tell me that Max Domi, son of Ty Domi, is not going to stand against a guy like Lucic. There, when Ty Domi stood against Bob Probert, like.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think I don't. Know. Max is not definitely not like his father. Like he, he's got more skill. That's for sure. And uh, oh, I don't think he true. has the same kind of hands. He can definitely fight. Like we've seen his fights, he's good, but. Yeah. I know Luchik's in a different category.
2: So, Brad, imagine if you will, a man being six four, coming up, known as an enforcer, and then you are known as an enforcer, but you're like the Wolverine. You're like under six. You got to be like five nine, five ten, and you're taking this fight with this guy. And the thing is, is that it's usually if you look at the amount of times they fought. It's uh it's about even's keel, <laughs> even keel for the amount of wins and losses for those, you know. Um that's that's what we're talking about, and that's another thing.
1: That. Yeah, but it should be that way. It yeah. shouldn't matter what your side is and you're gonna fight somebody. No. Just the move.
2: But right now, I'll, I'll let you know. This is the good thing that's happened with the leagues with the realignment, the amount of playing that's happening. Fighting is up in the league, and I think fighting is up is because. They've seen these guys now. Like this is game seven. And you're playing three games in a row against this just team. Waiting just... for the
1: playoffs, man. The playoffs are gonna be wild. Oh, we're yeah, gonna hate each other. I mean, we you see it all. I mean we saw a little bit even in baseball, right? Like in the series, like it got started getting real chippy game three, game four. Yeah, you know, you started seeing guys throw at people and you know, trying to fight, and that's you know, that's the world of baseball, which is not known for its, you know. I mean, it has the testosterone because they like to inject it to hit home runs, but outside of that, it's not really a macho sport like hockey is.
3: And see, the great thing about the fighters now is, like, you got guys that can also score, like, 20 goals a year, and they're also fighting. As yeah. before, Except they Tom just big massive guys that could just throw, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so much more
2: well-rounded now. Yeah. I remember Gino Oh Do you remember Gino <laughs> Ojik? It's like he could barely skate. Like, oh,
1: oh yeah, that up. guy was just there. He was just there to fight. That's all. That's I mean, that's it. what it used to be back like in the day, right? Is you had that one I'm guy, like you rarely even had to stick with him. You're like that guy is just there to fight. Like that's all. <laughs> Not even making an attempt to be a hockey player. He's just wanting to fight somebody. That's
2: Dave Samenko. just like oh, Dave's on the ice. Oh, <laughs> Dave Schultz. <laughs> yeah.
3: Stan Jonathan. He, he was another tough customer.
2: Oh, my gosh. But that's the thing. is that You know, like Tom Wilson and uh, Reese. Reese out in uh, Vegas. But Reese can score. Oh, no, yeah. Rebo. Yeah. He can score. But that's an enforcer if you've ever seen one, though. It's just oh, yeah. like, you know, Tom Wilson's another one, too. It's just like, those guys are scary looking. <laughs>
3: You know, even the Leafs, you know, we got Simmons, and Simmons, he can throw it down. Oh, yeah.
2: Simmons can throw. Simmons. Can throw. He, I, I like
3: watching him fight, you know. He's very quick. Like, he's not as big as those guys, but, you know, mm. he's he's definitely tough as nails. That's from Absolutely. growing up in
2: Scarborough. There you go. Man, Scarborough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember I remember hanging out in Scarborough, and, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's a nice enough city, but it can be scary at times, too. Oh, well,
3: you got nice places, too. Like, Rouge Hill is quite nice.
2: Yeah, yeah. And the... The, the bluffs, the bluffs, yeah, yeah. And then if you keep going, you know, you, you go into like the beaches, and the beaches quite nice. Yeah, the beaches that's... are quite nice. Yeah, absolutely. But that's a that's the thing about Toronto, though. Is like, there's a whole bunch of nice, and there's also a whole bunch of like darkness as well. And it's just like, yeah, you, know, you get it. that it's in every city. Like, like any city, exactly. All city, Sean. Uh, any city. I just said that. <laughs> like, any city.
3: Well, unless you go to Scandinavia, it's like everywhere is just nice. <laughs> 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 they, they don't even know, they don't even have jails there. They have to close them down because there's not enough people committing crimes.
2: Yeah. Where's this
3: in Scandinavia? Like Scandinavia,
2: there Finland, Denmark,
3: Norway. Man. Yeah, my mom's from uh, Norway. Their
1: family back there, they're all like lock doors. Like, what do you mean you lock your doors? Yeah.
2: Although, wasn't there like a, ah? That's a whole different. I have, I have to bring a metal friend on about that whole entire metal murders that happened there
1: in the uh, late
2: 90s off there that's when they left yeah it was like late 90s yeah yeah everybody's got a weirdo somewhere living within them yeah absolutely yeah there's one for sure on the the screen right now (laughs) oh my gosh brad anyways (laughs) all right what's everybody thinking right now so what are you thinking now about Russell Wilson, Brad, what do you think about Russell Wilson right now? What are you thinking about the whole entire Russell Wilson sweet stakes? What do you think about Deshaun Watson right now being accused of sexual uh, misconduct? Um, um, I feel
1: the same about Russell Wilson that I felt about him when this whole thing started. You know, I didn't think they would trade him. I think it was feasible. I think that uh, you know, I think he'll play this year and they'll trade him next year. I think that's the move. For Deshaun Watson, I don't know what to think about that. That's one of the courageous stories that I can recall is you know a player being disgruntled and wanting to be traded out, and then you know all of a sudden there's all these accusations that are coming to light, and I don't know if you saw the press conference.
2: Yeah, he vehemently, vehemently d- denied it. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the so the lawyer for the defendants or, or for the accusers anyway uh, also comes out and he makes this grandstanding thing about how he lives in the same street as uh, the McNair family, but he doesn't know. Uh. Hal McNair or Cal McNair or whatever his name is. And people are just kind of, you know, wondering why he made such a big to-do about not knowing his name when they clearly run in the same circles and they know each other. So, you know, who knows what? There's always conspiracies. And it's it's fascinating to watch because there's no
2: football. But um, It's fascinating to watch because it's, it's like, I think it's the flavor, right? So you just said you're never going to play for this team. This team's got problems. Then all of a sudden, it's an attack on his character now. And it's yeah. like, Ooh.
1: well, and I I want to s- stop short of saying that he's innocent because
2: we don't- I can't say that I can't say that you know. But it also uh, would be surprised if it was found to be later that it was
1: you know some silliness behind the scenes. So I don't know what to make of it. It's all very yeah. WWF to me. Is what it feels like.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what better way to get out of a contract? <laughs> That's all I can think of. You know what I mean? What better way? Um,
1: yeah, maybe I hadn't thought of it from that angle. But maybe I don't um, know. I, I thought, what better way than to kill a trade market? But
2: you could kill a trade market that way as well. Yeah. Then what? He's stuck. He's stuck playing for you in Houston. But how could he be stuck playing for you if he's in jail? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it'll be
1: something to watch unfold. It's
2: going to be. There was a lot like, of movement. There was a lot of movement during free agency yesterday, though. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been yeah, it's
1: fascinating to watch. I I've been so sidetracked watching the NCAA tournament of basketballs. This my man, college basketball has got its own problems, and you know, you know, I feel like they take advantage of the athletes and those things. But I still can't stop from watching it because it's
2: what was the story about the Fab Five competition? Right? What the story about the Fab Five? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, yeah, I. I typically won't buy uh, NCAA team gear because I don't want to support a university that won't support its players. Um, I, for damn sure, would never buy a jersey with someone's name on it that's not going to see
2: any yeah. money from that. But So, Mark, like, the thing is that you had, like, a Chris Weber and um, Jalen uh, Rose and I forget who else were... Do you know this story, by. Mark, at all?
3: I'm not just sure. I know who Jalen Rose is. He played for yeah, the Raptors, yeah. right? You did, yeah,
1: you
2: did. Yeah. You
3: yeah. Did, yeah. So there's these five, these five uh, highly touted
1: high school basketball players. They go to the University of Michigan, and they're called the Fab Five. They're one of the first like freshmen starting fives to kind of take the basketball world by storm. And uh, you know, they just didn't, they weren't able to go out to like McDonald's without like pooling their money and you know, all eating off the dollar menu. And uh, there's a story about them one night, you know, being you know cold and hungry, and the cafeteria was closed, and they're walking to. McDonald's to pull their seven dollars together so they could all eat, and uh you know they walk by the store by the arena there, and all their jerseys with their names on them are in the store in the front window, selling for eighty-five dollars a piece. You know, they're like, man, we only have seven dollars between the five of us, and like they're making all this money off of our, you know, off our name and our likeness, and so
3: Here's your comp- conversation. Yeah,
1: that becomes real difficult, and so this is the NCAA uh, as a whole, um,
3: you know.
2: All their sports are kind of that's kind of like, you know, it reminds me of indentured servitude, where it's just like, you know, look, if you just keep playing this game here, we're going to promise you entrance into a league or, you know, you're getting a free education. Uh, education,
1: And they give you, you know, your gear and they feed you and, and those things. Now, I would say that the NCAA today is different in that world than it was back in the mid 90s you know, from a care of athlete, but it's yeah. still not, it's not equal.
2: But, right. Let's, but, let's, let's face it. If you are a top prospect, right? You're not, you're not studying to be a lawyer. You're not studying, you know what I mean? You're just going to university, you're getting a degree. Yeah. could be, I don't know, general arts and science, you know, but the thing is that you're expecting to be either a top prospect in one of the leagues or what have you. And then you get injured and then the, the university that was there putting you through has made all this money off of your Jersey, but now you're injured. Your career is done. You haven't even started in the pros and you're done. And then your scholarship is done. And <laughs> all that is done. It's not right. No, no, it's terrible. And that's
1: the thing. It's a real thing. I mean, there's a guy uh, now is, oh, I wish I remember where he played for, but he has a company that he can't be affiliated with or he loses eligibility. But, you know, they make real money marketing something that he made that he developed while he was in high school. Mm. And if he was to be associated with that company officially, then he would lose his eligibility and not be able to play sports. And so, that I mean, that those are just real dirty, dark things. Mm, yeah. I don't know how we got on this topic. I wanted to not be here, but here we are.
2: <laughs> but we are. Is, we are. was your
1: alley pissing conversation. In?
2: Is that it? <laughs> it just brought us uh, over there?
1: Fun <laughs> things like fighting and hockey enforcers and then...
3: Going down to robbery and alleyway. No, I got a question for you. Yeah, let's hear it. So, if you could trade Nylander, who would you trade him for in the league?
2: Oh my god, like that's it? a good question. That's a good question. Um, I am not the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I know You're I would trade. Like you are. I know I would, you trade, are. I would trade. I would trade for a top four D, top four D that's not afraid to get down and block some shots. We don't need another offensive defenseman. We have enough.
3: So you got to look at the teams, right? Like they're at the bottom because any team that's at the top is not going to want to trade their defense. Exactly, totally. But so you agree. got teams like in LA. You know, it'd be amazing if we could. Trade
2: LA's them. got LA's got yeah. some great. Yeah, I don't know what would yeah, I, what would it, it, would it take so to get Doughty? Because yeah, I would go, I would go for like Dowdy, too. He's old.
3: Two players and a draft pick, I'd say.
2: Yeah, he's old, right? So
3: I would go for yeah, Dowdy. He's thirty-one, right? He's got another three or four years left. It just is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He big bucks though.
2: And let's face it, Kyle Dubas just came out three days ago saying that, hey, we're all in on this season. Like, I don't care. I think they could take the Leafs to the next level. That's exactly he said. Prospects, they're they're free game. Everybody's free game. So to me, he's saying, like, he's pulling Masai Ujiri saying, we're all in. You know, great gamble. Now you got to be able to get. And the, the thing is that Kyle Dubas was brought in almost a decade ago as their... Analytics guy, and he's risen up into this now as their GM. Mm. And uh, to me, they should have just kept him in analytics. It's like, I don't know. I mean, now you're dealing with real players, real money. You've put us in a situation, but you're right. If I trade Nylander, it would have to be Nylander and somebody else, and probably a draft pick in order to get Drew Doughty, Because Drew Dowdy is still an amazing defenseman, you know, amazing defenseman. I would love him here. Can you imagine? Yeah, like
3: he's definitely. And in his prime, he's
2: top five in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we have Morgan Riley, who I think is also a top-tier defenseman as well.
3: Oh, yeah, um, definitely.
2: It's just unfortunate Freddie that...
1: About, you really should be talking about upgrading your goalkeeper.
3: Freddie Anderson is I'm not gonna, the problem. Give away a goalkeeper right now. No one's going to give away... Goalkeeper's going to be too hard to get.
2: Yeah. Like, you're not going to get Carey Price, and you're not going to get anybody that's, like, worth anything. You have to go out and sign them over the, in the offseason. season. Yeah. Let's let's face it. Montreal was smart in order to sign um. What's his face? There from St. Louis. Uh, oh
3: yeah, uh, yeah. He played four years ago for Lewis, and then uh, Bennington took his position.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Elliot? No, not Elliot. No, not Elliot. Not Elliott. I can't remember who it is, but he was a, he's a he's a starting goaltender anywhere else, and here he is as the backup for. Kerry Price and Kerry Price looks amazing this year. His numbers are off the chart. You know, it's it's unbelievable. Freddie Anderson, I don't know, man. I think
3: are Kerry Price's numbers off the chart. Like I don't know, like if he's getting 2. the numbers
2: five two point six five goals against average. is actually pretty like, darn good. He's gone through some patches though. That's a problem. That is true. That is true. But that's also, I mean, let's, let's face it. Yeah, Victor Mete, your top defenseman, is Shea Weber. Shea Weber is exactly—he's not on the up uptake anymore. He's not on the downtake now. And Mete and a few other guys. I mean, your defense core is not exactly stellar in Montreal.
3: What? I don't. I, I disagree. I like Petri, You know, you, you got Petri is top tier? You, definitely. Okay. Right now, he's he's definitely top four, without a doubt. Wow. You got to look how many points he's producing. He's like, I think he's like in the top five right now for points for a defenseman.
2: Wow. Wow. So he's an offensive defenseman, but is he actually doing anything in order to help carry? Yeah. But you've got other guys like Shea Weber that <laughs> <know>. Victor Mete.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. Jake Allen. Jake Allen was a guy from uh, St. Louis you're talking about.
2: Jake Allen. That's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy.
0: Yes.
3: Yeah. He, yeah. He was clutch a couple years ago and then absolutely Benedict took his position.
2: Yeah. Well, Bennington ended up winning a Stanley Cup. (laughs) I guess if you do that, you're going to keep your job. (laughs) Brad, Brad, you look so disinterested in hockey right now. Brad is still waiting for his Seattle Kraken to come in there, and then we're going to hear a lot from Brad, I think. Yep. (laughs) Give me the move. What do you think of uh, Major League Baseball so far right now? I mean, I know it's just uh, Grapefruit League, but uh, Jays look good. Uh, Seattle—it's kind of like you know 50-50 ball.
1: Yeah, that's how spring training always is for Seattle. Mm. Kind of. Yeah.
2: You know, I'm looking uh, forward. I'm looking forward to watching the Jays play. Those additions—it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Be I amazing. mean,
1: I'm sure George Springer can teach them how to cheat, just like he taught everyone. Of course, it runs at home for sure. So, are you guys big baseball fans?
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I enjoy game. it.
1: Yeah, I
2: enjoy it.
3: So I remember like four years ago going to Toronto and like the Jays had all this hype, mm-hmm. you know, all the games are
2: selling out. What's
3: yeah. happened to them? Like, how come they're not that team anymore?
2: Well, that's because when they, they kind of, so did they go all face? in that season? They went, they went in 2015, 2016. Right. So, um, why can't I think of his name? It's not Shapiro who's running things now. It's, uh, why can't I think of his name right now? Um, the GM Anthopolis. So now Anthopolis is now in Atlanta. So he's doing the exact same thing he's doing in Atlanta, what he did with the Jays, right? Mm-hmm. But he went all in. He went all in. He ended up making some good trades and some not so good trades. Like one of the not so good trades was trading um, Noah Syndergaard and Travis Darno in order to get uh, Knuckleball Boy there. Um, I can't think of the Knuckleballer right now. He won the Cy Young that year, though. <laughs> And then all of a sudden his ERA went up to four as soon as he came up to Toronto. Um, we also ended up signing um, third baseman uh, who's now in Atlanta, and actually he was in Cleveland for uh, a quick minute there, Josh Donaldson, and Troy Tulowitzki. we ended up getting. And we ended up going in pretty hard for David Price. So we ended up having a team that on paper looked great, right? But then we hit KC, and KC the year before had the same lineup that they had that year. They went all the way to the World Series and ended up losing it. So when they ended up coming in and playing the Jays, and especially when they had the better record and Kansas City, their field is not conducive to what the Blue Jays were able to do. So the Blue Jays was a home-running hitting club, but you're hitting at a home-run hitting park, right? Like Skydome, whatever you want to call it, Rogers Center, whatever you want to call it. That's a home run. That's a home run's dream, right? Like, think about Jose Canseco being one of the first guys to hit the Hard Rock Cafe and smack that thing there. Two people are having sex, and all of a sudden, bang, boom, bang. Wait, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then everybody were able to see these guys having sex in their Hard Rock Cafe uh, hotel room. Anyways, so Jose Canseco hits it up there. It's like way to go. But the thing is, that's a home run hitting park. And you go into KC in a very limited time period of games. And KC, that is more of a base hitting park, right? And that's what you were looking at was Moustakis, Um What's-his-face that played center field over there that ended up going over to San Diego for like a couple of moments, there, there's a lot of guys that were able to get good contact on the ball as opposed to hitting the ball. And they had enough pitchers that, you know within their thing. And then when they faced Cleveland, Cleveland was smart man Cleveland was smart they went out and picked up Andrew Miller they picked up all these mid relievers and and end reliever guys because then they were playing the analytical game where there were masters at it It was just like six innings I don't want you to see this guy again now we're going to put in Andrew Miller or we're going to put in this guy in order for to shut you down you know so the Jays tried playing that last year. We ended up coming in. We didn't have the pitching prospects that we do. But let's face it, we built up pretty darn good in order to get into a postseason, you know, overnight. And I think that we have the right the right people in place. We just need another couple of pitchers, and I think we're looking at a juggernaut team, you know? They That's, went
1: all in in 2015, but they've been yeah. well to restock what they had. And the in the last couple of years have been uh, let the young guys play and getting some major league at bats and kind of getting used to the show and they're they're ready to turn on and go. I think that they're you know, probably one of the favorites in the AL. Uh to do you some have games. to
2: be. You have to be when you think about the Yankees, you think about the Red Sox, you think about Tampa Bay. It's like Tampa Bay, then weren't they worse the first last year? <laughs> like yeah. you gotta be you gotta be like that's some legit editing. Yeah,
1: that's the thing is everyone falls in love with that long ball and that just doesn't that doesn't pay in the postseason. We've learned that over and over again, right? So Jay's learned that
3: how long does it take a team to rebuild like in hockey you know you're looking at like five five six years yeah it's the same it's the same for major league baseball really um you know uh
1: chemistry is so important baseball just like it is in hockey right you can't just put together like in, you know, in basketball you can kind
2: of you know you can get one good guy <laughs>
1: you can, well you but you can put in guys that are talented and they maybe they don't get along and that doesn't necessarily matter as much on the court yeah it's very similar in football In basketball, or I'm sorry, in baseball and hockey, you know, chemistry really matters with the team and just kind of how it goes. And because there's so much flow and rhythm to the game, and everyone has to be not only doing their job, but they have to be in uh, like on the same wave as the rest of the team, right? And so, you know, it's a couple of years really to build a strong contender for baseball. The jumps they make are big, right? Like you're seeing San Diego make a big jump, Tampa Bay's made a big jump going from perennial bottom feeders up. But it's mm. if you look at their roster, they've all been together four or five years. That's it. Now they're starting to see the fruit, you know?
2: So that's it. Yeah. I so mean, makes
1: those game's so beautiful, right? But also, yeah. like, really hard to uh, track if you're not, if it's not something you grew up watching or paying attention to. Those if you great have,
2: okay. It's to so start. funny, right? Because you're talking about hockey, you're talking about basketball. Like, basketball, you could be instantaneous, though, with one player. Yeah. And yeah, you have the right things, right? Right? Coaching, everything like that. But hockey, um, baseball, it could take time to develop them. The only place where I could see where things can just take off in a hot, hot second there is NFL. You get the number one draft pick with a few little signings. Well,
1: the number one draft pick rarely turns it around for teams, but I, I get what you're saying. Are you excited because Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a Buffalo Bear? Oh, get out of here.
2: I knew you could have. If you didn't mention that, I would have been actually very disappointed. How dare you? And, yeah, how dare you? Who went yeah,
1: in the, the world? second overall pick in the draft not too long ago now <laughs> playing quarterback for your team. You should be excited.
2: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> No, we have, we have our quarterback, Josh Allen. Mitchell Trubisky is a great backup, okay? <laughs> great backup. So, Mark, Mitchell Trubisky. He's terrible. Mark, Mitchell Trubisky was drafted number two back in 2018 draft, I want to say. Am I right? The 2018 draft. Yeah. He was drafted the, the draft same. Patrick
1: Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yeah,
2: same draft class as Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. This guy didn't know how to break a huddle. This guy doesn't know how to read things. You know what I mean? Like He was like the absolute worst quarterback I've ever seen in a top five draft besides Ryan Leaf. So if
3: you compared him to hockey, would he be like Yakupov?
2: Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That's exactly what he would be. He'd be be Neil Yakupov. All right. Now I understand.
1: uh, (laughs) Trubisky did not start a lot of Division I college football games. He did not go to a Division I powerhouse school. Those should have been two red flags to start with. He had a fantastic workout. And then everyone just fell in love with him. And, like, his reputation, like, they, they played it well. He made himself millions of dollars. Uh, by playing a really fantastic game for three months. Of hey, hey. like uh, Alexander Dagg, remember him?
2: Yep. Oh, my God, dude.
1: <laughs> there's just those guys, right, where, like, they have, like, something that shows up in a workout that all the scouts fall in love with, and coach then coaches buy in, and then, like, it spirals out of control, and everyone just has to have this new shiny thing, and then the game's live, and they suck. And, like, there's, telling no, you though,
2: there's no way like, around it. NHL, you got maybe one or two. Did they get it wrong, right? Maybe. I don't know. I'd yeah. say it's a bit more than that. <laughs> it is probably a bit more than that. <laughs> you know what? Every sport, every sport Brownson. can get it wrong. that's, well, that's the problem with the draft thing. is that you're yeah. giving an organization
1: that can't <laughs> put together a winning roster and you're letting them decide who talent is. Like, that's a, that's yeah. difficult, right? Like.
2: That's Especially funny. if, like, yeah, if you're, if your business practice is just to keep just throwing money at it,
1: think
0: about
1: if you're hungry, right. And like yeah. just say that you, your diet always is garbage and you're hungry. Like you result back to garbage, but if you're really hungry and like you're in a hurry, you'll just grab whatever shows up first, right. Whatever yeah. catches your eye. That's what it ends yeah. up being. That's what a lot of these draft picks, and you know, that's why you see these great stories of that guys drafted in late rounds or come in as you know unheralded free agents that put work in and really get somewhere. Like
2: Russell Wilson, oh. buddy, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's one of them. And you're looking to get rid of him?
1: No, I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that yeah. Seattle is at all interested in getting rid of him. They would have done yeah. it with the Bears.
2: But with the contracts done, you got you're not signing him back. Not after this. Who knows? Who, no, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's true.
1: Who knows? They, they might be, you know, Seattle might be looking at a full reset, right? You look at Russell Wilson, uh John Schneider, and Pete Carroll's all contracts are all up all at the the same time. So if you're an organization Good. that full reset, why wouldn't you just do it then? Yeah,
2: I get rid of Pete Carroll and Heartbeat. Yeah. So okay. All right. So okay. I think this is it, eh, bud?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, Mark, it was wonderful to talk to you. Thanks for uh, your time. Yeah. We enjoyed hearing about, you know, does your mindset and, you know, what you've been able to do uh, running-wise. It's been good to, you know, let you open up some shots for me to take a to you. I appreciate the, the opportunity.
3: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, I've been a big fan of you guys for a while, you know, once you guys got started, so. Yeah. Well, thanks. Pretty We'd love good. to have you
1: back on. We we'll talk some more about things. I, I want to get more into, like, your – Uh, Actual, uh, like, why you're running and what your mindset kind of ends up being, and you know, just those kinds of things too. So, come back soon and let's, uh, let's talk. Maybe, maybe in the playoffs, uh, come back, remember hockey, come back in because I'll be more locked in for playoffs. Playoffs are hockey for me. I'm usually in right
2: now. Oh, Mark, you're definitely coming in the playoffs because I know the Habs, I mean, the Leafs are going to make it and we're probably playing the Habs in the first round. So, you're definitely coming in the playoffs so early and we're going to talk again. We'll go into some more about your running there because, dude, that's um, amazing. Um, I'm always impressed about that stuff. Uh, Mark, you've been great. Thank you so much. I know that sometimes we get into NFL talk. It's like, you know, we lose people, but it's no different than when you were talking about the English Premier League, and I was just trying to hang with you there, but uh, obviously (laughs) I got it completely wrong. It's all good. Hey, thank you so much for coming out there today, though, my friend. All right? We'll be talking soon. Yeah,
3: sounds good. Thanks for having me.
2: Yep. Absolutely. All right. so this is episode three in the book my friend
1: three in the books uh, basketball games are starting I'm gonna go uh, get some things going wear some food from flyers you know enjoy a good day of good old fashioned uh, count surfing so until next time kids be good or be good at it
0: righto you've listened to the podcast but now it's time to visit us in our virtual sports bar Get all of our info at guysbeersports.com where you can find all the ways to connect with us. Watch for live conversations with Brad and Sean that happen throughout the week and join in with your favorite local beer. You can share your thoughts in the conversation comments with your own uploaded videos or even join us as a guest live commentator the GBS virtual sports bar is open for business come on in boys and girls